College students are usually concerned about classes, exams, and parties, not saving someone's life. I didn't want to lose them. I just didn't want to have another family member pass. And if I could have something to do with it, I was going to do everything I could. That's kidney donor Sherry Shaw. I'm Monica Fox, kidney transplant recipient and director of outreach and government relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and your host. On this episode of The Journey Continues, Sherry shares how even a college student can make a decision to save the life of a loved one. Sherry, let's get right into it. Why'd you become a living donor? You know, honestly, the reason that I decided to become a living donor was based upon the need of my family. I have a cousin, Vernon Eugene Anderson, who grew up with diabetes type 1. And around my age 15, he started to have some issues with insulin dependency and just a lot of ailments that came about. When I got to college, it was at the point where he needed a kidney. And I literally just had no other option but to say, okay, I'm going to step up and at least attempt to be a match for him. I'm a you know a community health major in college. I understood. I just took the leap and came to find out that I was a match. No hesitation. Tell me why it was important to you to save Vernon's life. My cousin Vernon was simply amazing. He was my first cousin and around age 15, as mentioned, my brother actually passed away from an asthma attack. My brother and my cousin were named the same, Vernon Eugene Shaw and Vernon Eugene Anderson. And uh, my brother just had a breathing episode and just didn't make it. And he was 20 years old as I was 15. And my cousin Vernon stepped in, came down to where I lived, which was in Decatur, Illinois at the time, as I was finishing high school and helped me get through high school, helped me adjust to living without my brother and that immediate pain and gap of having him in my life. And so he became like big brother figure for me beyond just being a first cousin. So then when I got to college and started to see his um, health was ailing, that I just could not stand to have the opportunity not to help him and to um, also, I didn't want to lose him. I just didn't want to have another family member pass. And if I could have something to do with it, I was going to do everything I could. And therefore, I was able to start the process at the University of Illinois to become a living donor. I have to ask, what did you know about kidney disease before you learned about it with Vernon? Absolutely nothing, really. I mean, I think that as an athlete, when I was growing up in high school, you know, many of my friends had diabetes. So I would see someone take an insulin shot or check their sugar or something of that nature. But I hadn't really heard about the implications and the impact to your kidneys. I think I was just so much centered in on the concept of diabetes. And then I started to do my own research once Vernon needed me to step into that role of being a kidney donor. So I started to do all my homework assignments in college and any presentation I could do in my major around community health was focused on kidney disease, renal disease, diabetes, end-stage kidney failure, all of those things. And so I started to really learn and become educated um, as soon as I made the choice to start the process to see if I could be a match. And why'd you decide to be his living donor? You know, I felt that there was no other option. I think that when you have the faith to know that you are a 98.3% match (laughs) to someone and that's your family member, that you think that that is your calling. And I always had this belief in my heart that I'm a servant leader. 
Um, it's what I do now in my current job. It's who I've always wanted to be. When I was in high school, I did the HIV AIDS peer educator. I volunteered at hospice. I read to our older adults, like always thinking of ways to give back to our community. And then it hit very close to home. And it was my cousin and he needed life-saving treatment. And we all know that the living donor option allows for you to have the option of getting a kidney earlier than getting on the donor list. I did, you know, realize that he was on the donor list, but he was substantially down on that list. And so this just said, okay, if I am a match, I'm doing it. And it was no harm to me to go through the process of being a living kidney donor. Actually, it helped me understand and improve my own personal health at the age of 20. You know, I just jumped right in, got the family support. I made sure that my whole family, my mom and uh, my uncle, my cousin's dad was very much a part of the whole process. And um, I just went full speed ahead. And what obstacles did you face trying to get approved as his donor? You know, I would have to say that I was blessed. It seemed like this was just what I was supposed to do because the hurdles that I've heard from other living donors, I didn't have that. I was young. I mean, I was 20 years old. I was in really good, pristine health. Um, my only ailment is that I have chronic asthma. The only thing they wanted to make sure was that I hadn't had children. I hadn't had any of these other aspects, but diabetes ran in my family. So they just wanted to make sure that in my future, when I you know, grew, that I wouldn't have any of these additional ailments. I took a lot of tests around eating a, a lot of sugar. I ate a lot of carbs. I, you know, All the testing to see how they could push me to the extreme to see how my body would react. You know, Other than that, it was very much easy. I, a lot of blood tests, um, a lot of just trying to track everything and making sure that I would be 20 plus years as I am now outside um, of being a donor and continue to have a really good life. But um, I didn't have the hurdles medically. I didn't have the insurance issues. I didn't have any problems. And that's why I really felt once I became a match that it was divine for me to do so. And how'd your family feel about your decision to be his donor? It was mixed. My mom understood, but after just losing my brother, she was very concerned. And so there was a lot of education that I had to do with her to keep her at bay and to keep her positive and optimistic about the decision I had made. My uncle, who had been living and supporting Vernon throughout all of his health ailments, understood and so he was um, very supportive and he helped get my mom to understand what the path was. But I would say that no one ever pressured me. Um, you know, Vernon always said, if anything happens and you change your mind, I'm okay. I understand. You know, so everyone was just supportive of me and allowed me to kind of make that decision. And the great thing about this whole experience is that it really grew our family closer because everyone wanted to understand what my life would be like after, what the benefits would be for Vernon, um, who was already at this point on peritoneal dialysis, who had lost his sight, you know, had trouble walking. And so all the things on the other side of getting a healthy kidney um, was great for him. And they always wanted to understand, okay, what is the negative or potential impacts to Sherry? A lot of people in the family and my friends they started working out with me. <laughs> they started to make sure that I had healthy food and eating. It was a really big community um, that I we were walking into hand in hand with no pressure, with absolutely no pressure. So at the end, I, my mom really understood that this is what I was called to do. And I told her, especially when the match percentage came back 
And then also when she understood and got more educated, I think after you just get over the fear of what it feels like and what it sounds like, then it's a no brainer that you have the opportunity to enhance and give someone a better quality of life. That is absolutely amazing um, for the fact that it was 20 years ago. And basically you, a college student, you are leading the charge. You did a lot of your own research to learn about kidney disease and becoming a living donor. And then it sounds like you had to spend quite a bit of time educating your family about it. Were the medical professionals helpful? How did they support you in these conversations? Was there support on that level? I would say probably there is more support now. I received um, general support, documents, videos, things of that nature. We didn't have like a health educator or a social worker tied to us. I think, unfortunately, at that time, I was the healthy person. And so a lot of the medical attention was going to Vernon because his health was ailing and um, he really needed a lot of support. So I think a lot of intentional and appropriate medical attention was given to him. But because I was the one going through the process and I was this bouncy 20 year old, I didn't really receive too much information from the hospital and the medical educators there. But on campus, as majoring in health, as being near the health center and working with my primary care physician, that's where I received my information and where I could be vulnerable because I couldn't be too vulnerable in asking questions around my mom who was already apprehensive or to my cousin who was already just trying to fight. And so I really leaned on my primary care physician. And at that time, a a small segment of friends who were going through the process with me on campus. And that's where I really got my community support. But I think now in the process, I think educators in the hospitals, as well as um, the process, that they're more balanced in helping the person who is considering being the donor, as well as the person who needs the donation. What concerns were expressed about your age? I think more so it was the matter of, you know, everyone at 21 has this big Yahoo party and they're in college and there's just this natural progression, I guess, of adulthood that you experience at 21. And that's me being as politically correct as possible. Mm -hmm. And um, here I am at 20 donating a kidney. Uh, And so I think a lot of people were really worried that I would miss out on the natural progression of being a young adult. That never crossed my mind. So everyone was, you know, was more understanding like, you know, what would be the pressure on the back end? How would she adapt? I was very social, you know, a leader on campus, managing a lot of big projects and programs. And so that was one thing that they were concerned about. But my focus was very narrow and it was, I'm going to do all I can for Vernon. And so all of that other stuff never really phased me. My biggest thing was making sure that our family had the opportunity to watch both me and Vernon grow old. So that was, you know, one, I was just like, you know, I guess the concept of being a 20 year old and making a very big grown up decision. A lot of people focused in on asking questions around quality of life for me and the end of life for me. You know, what would happen if I needed a kidney in the future? What would happen if my health started to ail? How does one kidney being removed impact the other kidney? So there was a lot of education that had to happen. And my primary care physician, she was happy to share that with them and really help them understand what that meant. 
And so it was just really an opportunity for everyone to become educated. But also I had to kind of stake my claim and tell everyone that although I understand this idea of me being blossomed into young adulthood and having those experiences, that's not for everyone. My position in this world is bigger than that. And I'm going to step into what I think is my next step that is ordered for me to do. 20 plus years later, I'm still not a drinker. I still don't feel like I've missed out in anything. I'm still very much, if I had to do it again, or I was asked to do it again, if I had three kidneys, I would donate another one. Well, Vernon was lucky to have a cousin like you. Share with me what they told you about what would happen if you needed a kidney. As a donor, that if I ever fail to need a kidney, that I would be positioned to be to be a priority in the list as a donor. In priority, I could be positioned higher. That's what my understanding was. And I assume that that's still the case. Yes, that is still the case that living donors are a priority. If it comes to the time that they would need a kidney, they are positioned at the top of the list. So let's talk about your recovery. What was your recovery like after donation? The things I remember is the day of our surgery, you know, when I walked into the hospital, it's as if they knew. Everyone that greeted me was so optimistic and warm and welcoming. I wasn't nervous. And that was the other thing. I just, I just felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do. I had prepared myself mentally and physically for it. I lost weight to help with recovery. I understood my diet afterwards. And you give me a script, I will follow it and read it. And so I was ready for everything that I could to make sure that this kidney was healthy for Vernon. And I remember getting into the um, the preparatory room and they were wheeling me down and they lined up. And I did not understand that. I've seen it on many TV shows, but I thought they did it for other people, but they do it there if you're a living donor and so a lot of the medical professionals lined up and cheered me on as I went into to surgery to do this. And on the back end, when I arrived into my, ho- into my room for recovery, everyone again was just like, you did great. You did wonderful. They um, you know, made sure that I understood that Vernon was right next to me and he was, he was doing well. And then you know, just a round of physicians just kept coming in to make sure I was okay. Now, I will say that first time they get you up to walk <laughs> was <laughs> like, oh, a shock value. And I fell in love with a pillow that's shaped like a kidney that I could put on my side um, as I got used to it because my surgery was laparoscopic. Um, and I just think that it was very much one of the newer um, opportunities to have laparoscopic because there were many people who did not at that time. We um, had it in 2001. So I'm very grateful that I was able to have that experience, to have that type of surgery for scarring and and healing. Vernon actually was cut open hip to hip, but I think that that's probably more typical for the donor, um, the recipient to have. Um, But yeah, I got up to walk and just walking through the um, hospital room and walking through the hallway, again, very just welcoming, understanding, telling me not to push, but anytime um, I needed support, um, they were there. I stayed in the hospital probably maybe three days. I did not have a hard recovery from the hospital, from the surgery. It was more so me making my mental, meet my physical, um, and just making sure that I was prepared for giving myself that time and pace. It went really well. Till this day, I still think about the recovery. And it just, to me, it was love. Everything was very loving, very supportive. Um, I stayed with my uncle for a week later to do all my post-ops. 
they were fine with me leaving. And I traveled back down to Champaign to a very warm welcome of friends and community and faculty and continued my education. I pretty much got back into a good routine about six to eight weeks after. So was your college career affected by your decision to donate? Thank you for asking. I um, would say that the only impact was that I took a semester off. So I graduated a typical five years versus the typical four years. And I don't regret it because it allowed me to add an additional concentration that focused in on kidney health and education. It also added me to that added to my health, you know, administration degree and allowed me to kind of pace myself to kind of figure out what my next step was. Um, my job was at Chili's and my um, the, the owner wrote to the Chili's Corporation and they paid for my apartment and my um, auto loan uh, for three months so that I didn't have to wow. work and stand up and they paid my power bill, any of my utilities. It was amazing. amazing. I mean, just the, the, the full support that I had from my part-time gig. Um, and so for three months I was okay. So I didn't have to worry about bills. Um, education was fine. So no, I don't think that it really impacted my education. What it did was helped me understand that I was headed towards pre-med biology and that's what I was majoring in, wanted to go into medical school and go on in that way. From the impact of my brother passing, I wanted to do like respiratory therapy or something in, uh, in that approach. And um, after doing this, I decided I wanted to, be, to do more health education, more community, more public health. And so I changed my major um, and became a community health major so that I could help with more preventative measures versus more reactive. Since donating, you've, you've been an active advocate in the kidney community. Tell me about the work you've done. So I've been on several state boards and several citywide boards around the American Diabetes Association. Um, I've led the Step Out Walk um, that was in Philadelphia. I've also created a couple of scholarships in my cousin's name to give to high school students as they move into college, um, giving them um, book scholarships so that they don't have to worry about uh, you know, funding for their first year. I do a lot of speaking around it because as an African-American woman, I know that culturally there are some challenges with getting minority men and women to sign up to be a donor, just culturally. And so I really try to help break that stigma and share that I'm 20 plus years out and um, have not had any impact um, onto my health. I do try to stay on boards, serve as advocates. I'm a veteran. I didn't even think about it like that. Like, I mean, 20 years um, into this. And so I want to make sure that people understand you can have a great quality of life, do your mission that you feel that you have to do, but also continue to help others by serving as a living donor. So what misconceptions about being a living donor would you clear up for others? The biggest thing I think is quality of life. Many people thought, well, you know, if you give your kidney away, you're going to go right into diabetes or you're going to have a kidney issue or God gave you two of them. So why do you why are you giving one away? You know, um, I've heard all of the stories about, well, I'm going to go with what I came with, you know, and, and trying to help people understand that if one kidney fails, then they're, they're not, it doesn't automatically mean the other one will be impacted as well as if you give one away, it doesn't automatically mean that your functioning levels are going to decrease. But rather, before you take this step, you're going to have so many, many tests done that you will be able to understand what your quality of life and your kidney health is. So 
I just help people understand that it's worth the opportunity to pursue. Um, and it doesn't have to be a family member. It could be a friend, but we all have the opportunity to donate life and to bring a new quality of life to our fr- fellow friend or family member. But I'm living testimony that my kidney on this good old left side is kicking well and doing really good. That is beautiful. Your story is amazing. How much support that you had across the board while going through this process. It should be a model for how it how it works for everyone. I wish that every living donor would have that type of support that you had. Um, so in closing, I just wonder what encouraging words do you have for people who are waiting a transplant? I appreciate that. I, you know, I did a, a report um, on black men and kidney needs um, because the one thing that I saw when I was in the hospital room in Freighter and I was walking the halls was the amount of black men that were sitting in those hospital rooms either with kidney issues, liver issues, um, or needing donations. And so for me, I think if I could close this in a way that would be helpful to do the research, um, I think we just have to take better qual- our, our own health in our, in our hands differently. Everything doesn't have to be met by a pill. You can move, you can get around. If it is a point where you do need a donation, speak, share, ask. Tell your family, you know, I've seen people now do a Facebook post. Um, I had a friend who was, I interviewed for a project and he really wanted to get off of dialysis. And I said, well, have you told anybody? You have 4,000 friends on Facebook. Talk, you know, put it out there. And I think that we have to be comfortable just in general, still asking for what we want, you know, asking for that person to get tested. And for the person who's thinking about being tested, Um, and still has that own internal fear. Testing doesn't mean acceptance. Testing doesn't mean that you have to go through, but it at least allows you to go through the process to see if you're a donor, to see your own quality of health, to see if you're a match. Those are things I would tell someone who's considering. So I encourage everyone to at least think about becoming a living donor or at least getting on the donor list so that we can continue to improve quality of life for our communities and individuals within our community. Um, so thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Those were very encouraging and wise words that I hope everyone will take heed to. We're born with two kidneys and healthy people can live with just one. Living donors can save family members, friends, or strangers. Are you interested in becoming a kidney donor? Learn more at nkfi.org. That's nkfi.org. I'm Monica Fox, and this is The Journey Continues. Prevention's a key part of our mission at NKFI. Here's Dr. Melissa Press, who offers a health or nutrition tip. Here's today's nutrition tip about calcium. Calcium is a mineral that is essential to bones and teeth, with 99% of the calcium in our body stored in them. Our bones are constantly being broken down and rebuilt, and we use the stored calcium in our body to do this process. Our nerves, heart, and the ability to clot blood all use calcium to do their work as well. As we age, we start to lose the amount of calcium stored in our body. In women, as estrogen levels decline with age, calcium absorption can also decline. Calcium is rich in yogurt, milk, fortified dairy alternatives like soy milk and almond milk, 
sardines and salmon with bones, cheese, tofu, green leafy vegetables like broccoli, turnip leaves, and kale, fortified breakfast cereals, fortified juices, nuts and seeds, legumes and greens, cornmeal, and corn tortillas. Calcium is better absorbed by your body if you eat a food with vitamin D in it as well. So milk fortified with vitamin D allows you to better absorb the calcium in milk. Adults aged 19 years or older need 1,000 milligrams a day of calcium, and women over the age of 51 need 1,200 milligrams per day. Eating three servings of dairy foods a day can help you meet that goal. If you have chronic kidney disease, you may have to limit the amount of dairy-rich foods per day. Talk with your kidney doctor to know how much calcium a day is right for you. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Press, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.